turn to Romans chapter 2. We're looking at verses 17 through to the end of the chapter, verse 29. It's quite a long title here. Moralistic Jews, confidence in the law and circumcision of the flesh. Last week we looked at self-righteous, moralistic Jews who judge others for their immorality whilst they are guilty of committing the same sins. We saw that not only they who have the law, but also Gentiles who do not have the law shall be judged as sinners. And that is because God writes the work of his law on men's hearts. And that's why we have a conscience. Our conscience accuses us or else it excuses us. And that is because God has written the work of his law in our hearts. Consequently, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes in judgment, he will judge everyone according to his gospel. A gospel which reveals a righteousness, not of men, but of God. Today we shall consider the boast of the self-righteous Jews in God and in the law that they received from God through Moses. What we shall see is that despite having the law and boasting in God and being circumcised in the flesh, those Jews were not even true Jews. Doesn't make a lot of sense. I hope it will do later. Those Jews were not true Jews. Let's have a look at chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. The Apostle Paul said, Behold, thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. According to verse 17, the moralists are referred to as Jews, but don't imagine that the Apostle Paul viewed them as Jews. Far from it, they did. After all, they had the law in their possession. From childhood, they were instructed in the law of Moses. As a result of being taught the law, they knew the law, or at least they imagined that they knew the law. And by knowing what is pleasing to God and the things that displease God, they were able to discern right from wrong. If you know the law, you ought to be able to discern right from wrong. And they were very good at doing that. Those moralistic Jews saw themselves as being guides of the blind. In other words, guides of people who were in moral and spiritual blindness and darkness. Certainly when considering the Jewish religious leaders, they most certainly were not suitable guides for the blind. As the Lord Jesus Christ said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 15 verse 14 concerning the religious Jews, the Pharisees, Jesus said, let them alone, they be blind leaders of the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. In other words, both shall fall into hell. 
the Pharisees were as blind as the people they were guiding and that is because they did not see the light. Not just the light of the Old Testament law but also the whole of the Old Testament. A light that pointed ultimately to the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. Had they not been as blind as the people they were guiding, they would have led them to Jesus, whom a godly Jew by the name of Simeon recognised as being a light to to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. This is what Simeon said when he held baby Jesus in his hands in the temple, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. Let's have a look at verse 20. An instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. The Jewish moralists can imagine themselves to have all the knowledge and the truth of the Old Testament so as to be able to instruct those who were without that truth and without that knowledge. However, their knowledge did not include a saving knowledge of Jesus. They knew all that law, but they had no saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, who was himself a self-righteous Jew, before being saved from his sins by the grace of God, really did have that knowledge, that saving knowledge. Before his conversion, Paul was every bit a self-righteous Jew, In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 5, he said that he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. However, Paul went on to say that he counted all things as dung, that he may win Christ. Concerning a saving knowledge of Jesus, Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. That is what knowledge is all about, knowing Jesus and his resurrection. And in John chapter 17 and verse 3, the Lord Jesus Christ said to his Father, This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Therefore, a person can boast his head off about God, that he knows God, that he knows the will of God, but if he he does not know Jesus in a saving way, the fact is that he does not know God. How many people does that apply to in this world? Millions? Billions? Billions of people would claim to know God. But unless they have a saving knowledge of Jesus, they don't know God. It's as simple as that. (coughs) 
As for the truth in the law that those Jewish moralists imagined that they possessed, Jesus is the truth. He is full of grace and truth, yet they did not possess him. How how can you claim to know truth when you do not know Jesus, who is the truth? Jesus is the embodiment of truth. He is the way, the truth and the life. The Jewish moralists only vainly imagined that they were guides of the spiritually blind and that they possessed the necessary knowledge and truth to instruct foolish and babes, whereas Paul really did have that knowledge and he really did have that truth because he had Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. They made their boast in God when in reality their boast was in themselves and in their imagined obedience to the law. Whereas Paul's boast really was in God, and most certainly not in himself. In fact, in chapter 7, verse 24, Paul called himself a wretched man. He wasn't someone to boast in himself, that's for sure. And in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, he said, But God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Similarly, the hymn writer Isaac Watts said, Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast save in the cross cross of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. That's another one whose boast was in Jesus. It goes against the flow of this world, doesn't it? A world which loves to boast about self. And we are to boast in Jesus and his finished work at the cross. From verse 21 onwards, Paul unveiled the hypocrisy of the Jewish moralists and he exposed them as being anything but Jews. Look at verses 21 through to 24. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, Through breaking the law, dishonourest thou God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. For circumcision verily profiteth, if thou keep keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. What I don't want you to think is that Paul was just talking to the Pharisees. 
Don't imagine that for one moment. Moment. It's much broader than that. Much broader than you probably realise at the moment. In the Eighth Commandment, it is written, Thou shalt not steal. The so-called Jew, who was busy teaching others not to steal, and who was judging other people for stealing, Paul asked him, Dost thou steal? What would he have said to that? Let's broaden it now. What would you say to that? Thou shalt not steal. Do you steal? Have you stolen? Even at work, when you should be working, and maybe you're doing a quick bit of social media, aren't you stealing your boss's time? Getting paid for doing nothing? So easy, isn't it? Maybe you've stolen more than that. It's not time for confessions now, but thou shalt not steal. Who isn't guilty of that one? In the seventh commandment, it is written, thou shalt not commit adultery. Paul asked the moralistic teacher, dost thou commit adultery? He may have been quick to say, of course I don't commit adultery. However, Jesus spoke about the seat of sin, the heart, when he said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28, Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her have committed adultery with her already in his heart. So, what about you? Who has not committed adultery? When you appreciate that the sin is in the heart. We don't always need to put flesh on the sin. And this is the important thing to understand. Whether it was for those moralistic Jews of old. Or modern Jewish moralists. Or even self-righteous professing Christians. Even if someone has an outward appearance of righteousness. Sinlessness being upright before God. The reality is that as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 19, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Those words come from the God who has eyes like flames of fire and who can see the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. And everything is laid bare before him. We can hide nothing from the great God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Coming back to those hypocritical and moralistic guides and teachers of the blind and foolish, even though they called themselves Jews, they dishonoured God through their own law-breaking Busy teaching others, busy instructing others, busy judging others and yet they were breaking the very law that they were teaching to others and judging others by. 
having demolished their false sense of being righteous before God because of their possession of the law and their pretentious boasting God, Paul went on to address another reason for their smugness, their circumcision of the flesh. Let's have a look again at verse 25. For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. That little word if with so much meaning there. If thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. In verse 25, Paul said, For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. The Jews viewed circumcision as an advantage, like having the law. However, in and of itself, circumcision was not an advantage, rather it was a sign of having advantages. In other words, it was a visible sign and a seal of being in a covenantal relationship with God. In and of itself, circumcision availed nothing unless the terms of the Old Testament, in other words, the law, was kept. Putting it negatively, if a person did not obey the law, circumcision was meaningless and a Jew's circumcision only served to enhance the condemnation against him. Can you imagine that? Obviously, just the men... The, the Jewish men with their circumcision, that circumcision would be there day and night to condemn them of their um, rebellion against God. Rather than being a sign of their righteousness before God. In verse 26, Paul was saying that if an uncircumcised person in other words, a Gentile fulfills the law's demands, then it is, is, it is as if he is circumcised. In other words, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision are relevant when considering if a person is righteous before God. As it is written in verse 13, the doers of the law shall be justified. The doers of the law shall be justified. That goes way beyond circumcision, doesn't it? Let's have a look at verse 27. And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfil the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision doth transgress the law? In verse 27, Paul was saying that an uncircumcised Gentile who is righteous before God because he has obeyed the law, will judge the circumcised Jew who has the law and who still breaks it. So we now have the Jew's circumcision and also the Gentile's uncircumcision judging his unrighteousness. His own circumcision and the Gentile's uncircumcision judging him because of his rebellion against God's law. It needs to be remembered that even though the doers of the law shall be justified, as we as it says in verse 13, 
the fact of the matter is that none of us are doers of the law. Paul was merely pointing out to those self-righteous Jews who rested in their law and whose boast was in God that as transgressors of the law, their circumcision counted for nothing and that the Gentiles who who were without the law and whom they judged were in fact the ones to judge them if they fulfilled the law's demands, which of course they didn't. The Jews did not fulfill the law's demands, neither did the Gentiles. But had those Gentiles fulfilled the law's demands, they would have been in a position to judge the Jews. This is something those moralists needed to hear, because they thought that they were above everyone else. It needs to be remembered that even though the doers of the law shall be justified The fact of the matter is none of us, none of us will ever be justified as doers of the law. Having made it clear to the self-righteous Jews that having the law and having been circumcised did not make them righteous, he then spelt out what a real Jew is. Look at verses 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. The word Jew, it's derived from the name Judah, which means praise. For example, in Genesis chapter 29 and verse 35, it is written that she, that is Leah, the wife of Abraham's grandson Jacob, conceived again and bare a son, and she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. Judah means praise, and Jew comes from the word Judah. Paul was addressing ethnic Jews who practice a religion that is outward and in which they seek praise, but the praise of men. For example, I'm going to turn to Matthew. It gives you, it's the Pharisees again, but it, it needn't be restricted just to the Pharisees. Matthew chapter 5. We'll see a, a religion that is all about Seeking the praise of men. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Take heed that ye do not your arms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine arms... Do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. 
And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. And verses 16 through to 18. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. We've got more about the hypocrites in Matthew chapter 23 as well. Plenty about hypocrites. Jesus rounding on the Pharisees, but the Pharisees they were really just a, a, a big example of what moralism's all about. Being self-righteous, seeking the praise of men, instructing others, blind guides of the blind, judging others, but all the while guilty. Jesus called them or likened them to whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but full of dead men's bones. That's hypocrisy, isn't it? Appearing to be righteous, godly, but full of wickedness. However, according to Romans chapter 2 and verse 29, a true Jew is one whose praise is not from men, but from God. Therefore, circumcision of the flesh is not the be-all and the end-all of being a Jew. What matters is circumcision of the heart, and that is not just a New Testament doctrine either. In Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 4 in the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah said to the sinful men of Judah and Jerusalem, Circumcise your hearts to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your heart. That is a reference to spiritual circumcision and clearly no one is able to perform such an operation on themselves, circumcising their hearts. Jeremiah was calling on the Jews to repent of their wickedness. Heart circumcision is a work of divine grace. As Paul said to the church in Colossae, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands 
in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. That is true circumcision. Circumcision of the heart, removing the foreskin of the heart, that is the circumcision of Christ, according to the Apostle Paul. We have now come to the end of a chapter where the Apostle Paul rounded on self-righteous Jews who had the law and they judged Gentiles who did not have the law. Paul pointed out that all will be judged as sinners according to the gospel of Christ. All includes the Gentiles who do not have the law. They will be judged as sinners because, as I said earlier, the work of the law is written in their hearts. But also, and this is something that the moralistic and self-righteous Jews needed to hear, even though they had the law, even though they taught and judged others according to it, they were nevertheless guilty of breaking it. Consequently, their circumcision of the flesh would not justify them. Finally, Paul said that what counts is spiritual circumcision of the heart and not circumcision of the flesh, which is external and of the letter of the law. Alluding to the fact that Jew means praise, Paul said that it is those who are circumcised in spirit and in heart and whose praise is of God. They are true Jews. Understand very clearly that the only way that your praise will ever be of God and not of men is if what? Is if you are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. As the only, as the only one who has kept God's law, again looking at that verse 13, over the years, I don't know how many times I've turned to chapter 2 and verse 13 of Romans. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. If you understand anything, you'll understand that the only one who has, who can be said to be a doer of the law in life and in death is the Lord Jesus Christ. May your trust be in him and in him alone, not your own endeavours, um, so many people, not just Jews, but so many people inside the church as well as outside, see, make their boast in God. They rest on their own obedience or what they perceive to be obedience, their own acts of righteousness, the good things they've done. When all we can do and all we should do and the only proper thing to do is to trust in Jesus and his finished work at Calvary's cross. Amen.